Today we jump into the holiday season all the way into this Christmas season. The series, we've entitled it simply this, Jesus, period. In fact, would you say that with me? Jesus, period. One more time, Jesus, period. In fact, I'd say there's never been a more important time I know in my life to hear the good news of Jesus, that it is about Jesus, Period. And over the next four weeks, that's exactly what you'll hear. You're going to hear about the hope, the joy, the peace that is found in Jesus. You're not going to want to miss a week, whether you're joining us online or in person. Please stay engaged as much as you can. Participate in the various things we've been making available. I'm not one to force anybody to do anything, but in 2020, I'm telling you, this leadership team here is phenomenal, and they have been throwing at you so many opportunities to stay connected because we actually believe in all the opportunities we're providing. We're not just doing them to look good. We're doing them because we think they're making an impact, and they matter, and we believe that we can do this, especially as we do this together. Amen? Maybe someone online said amen. I'll take that. So thank you for being here, the person that said amen online. The rest of you, wake up! Come on! This is life spring. It's not a funeral. Jeez Louise. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2. What time is it? Let's get it going. Chapter 2. Kelly, man, you're amazing. So good. All right, chapter 2. We're going to start at the very beginning. If you have your Bibles, open them up there, phone, tablet, whatever you got. 
You're not on the screen. All right, here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a degree, a degree, <laughs> a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, he also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because what? There was no guest room available for them. Have you heard this story before? Anybody, right? Have you heard this story before? There's this census. Everybody goes to their own town, right? They got to register. So you got Joseph, you got Mary, and they make this trek. It's quite the trek, actually. I think it's just under 100 miles from Nazareth up in the Galilee area all the way down to Bethlehem. Joseph registers with Mary. Mary is pregnant. She's pretty far along, and you can imagine one night she's just like, hey, guess what, honey? Maybe the water broke. She's like, we're having a baby in Bethlehem. And that's what happens. But this is no ordinary baby, is it? What was what the name of this baby? Do you guys remember? Jesus, Emmanuel, Messiah. He's the promised Christ. He's the hope of Israel. I, I love that video and the way it talked about that. Because for centuries... The scriptures have been pointing to a savior, a Messiah who would deliver the world from the bondage of sin, but not only deliver the world from the bondage of sin, but also establish, and this is such good news, the kingdom of God on earth. Praise the Lord. But then we also know that this baby did not come, this hope of Israel did not come how the people expected him to come. He's delivered to a young girl, a poor girl, in a feeding trough where lowly sheep herders, like kind of stinky sheep herders, are the ones that are there to celebrate. I would say it this way. I think this would be hardly the scene that if you or I was responsible for kind of setting up the scene for the Messiah to come, right? For the Christ to come. This would hardly be the scene that you and I would write down for the expectation of the Messiah, for this welcoming of the Messiah, the welcoming of the King, the King of kings. And yet this is exactly how Jesus came to the world. I want us to watch this video from the Bible Project real quick, and then I'm just going to share a few thoughts on uh, this Christmas season and the hope of this Christmas season. Thank you so much for being here today. Again, if you're online, thank you for engaging today. This is going to be a wonderful, wonderful time together. Let's watch this. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In the city is the temple run by the priests, and one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. 
And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets, that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. And there we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary, saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David, who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiancé, Joseph, had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There were so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks, and an angel appears, which, of course, freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate. Because tonight in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down. That's pretty awesome, huh? <laughs> See, Jesus, he didn't come the way we expected him to come, and yet, again, I'm so thankful for the way that he did come. I think that video, it just blows me away. I, I've seen that video probably a half a dozen times, but 
it just highlights it, right? Right away, the scene, the feeding trough, the shepherds. Did you notice with the shepherds, they had the little fly flying around just to show how good they smelled? I, I love those little artistic uh, qualities in those types of videos. But you got Mary, you got Joseph, and but then you find all of that. And I just say it this way, and, and I'll put it up on the screen, and, and I want you to hear this today, that Jesus came for real people in a real world. In fact, you might want to write that down if you're taking notes. Jesus came for real people in a real world. Real people. Like real people. Like with real issues in a messy, complicated world. I know that not all of you have been here the entire time we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, but this journey through Luke has been so encouraging to me. It's really changed my life. It's opened my eyes like never before that Jesus came for real people. Like real, messy, flawed, imperfect people just like me. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful that He came for real people like you and me? Amen. Think about it. Where the religious elite, for generations, the religious leaders, they'd put down all these rules, all these regulations to keep people on the margins. All these rules, regulations to really keep people outside of the gate. We, we've seen that throughout the Gospel of Luke. But then Messiah comes and He comes to heal the outcast. He comes to actually bring in the outsider into the gate. The unwanted, the unloved, the unvalued, all shown value, compassion, and love. There's just nothing and no one that compares to Jesus. Again, that's why I've entitled this series, Jesus, period. As you keep on reading the story of of Jesus, you discover as He walks through life, as He grows up, you're going to read this story. And and as Jesus begins His earthly ministry, you're actually going to see this uh, develop, this holy passion, and I'd also say a holy frustration with all those religious people, the religious leaders, also a frustration with those in power, while at the same time, He is passionately offering life to anyone, but especially to anyone who had been greatly oppressed by those leaders. Again, Jesus brought hope to real people. He brought hope. Jesus was hope. He was hope. And and again, it wasn't just for kings. It wasn't just for queens. It wasn't just for the religious elite. It wasn't for those that were in those fancy houses with the fancy dresses. He came for everyone regardless of standing or circumstance. He came for the financially poor, but He also came for the poor in spirit. He came for those that were uh, walking around with broken bones, but He also came for those that were walking around with a broken heart. He came for real people. And this is good news for us today. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. He, he's just been fascinating me lately. I, I, I wrote something on Facebook last night. I'm just fascinated. I, I don't think people understand what Jesus means to me. And in fact, I think some of you all need to fall in love with Jesus again because you're just consumed by the wrong things these days. Get in love with Jesus again. Forget all the other. Some of you just got to burn up the rest of it and get laser focused on Jesus again. Because listen to what Jesus did. This is one of the first things he does in his earthly ministry. This is how good he is. This is how awesome he is. He goes to his hometown. And don't you know it's dangerous to go to your hometown? I love my family, but my ministry amongst my family, they just, they're like, well, it's Danny. Like, I'll never be Pastor Dan to my family. I'm Danny. But he goes to his hometown in Nazareth. He goes to that synagogue. He takes the scroll of Isaiah and listen to what he said. Listen to this, church. 
He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And He has sent me to send, uh, bring recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And He goes on in verse 21 to say, today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, the outsider, the outcast, the poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed, now all have hope in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Jesus brought hope. Jesus was hope. That scene in that synagogue is toward the beginning of his earthly ministry. And as you go on and study his life, as you study the death of Jesus, you find that the hope that he offers, the hope that he brings, it actually is greater than anyone could have comprehended or imagined. Through His life, yes, but also through His death and resurrection, the hope that He offers and even that He offers today is now the hope of our own bodily resurrection and the hope of eternal life to anyone who would believe in Him. Listen to this. This is one of His disciples, Peter, and this is the way he puts it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-6. through 6. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. Listen, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, that faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're born into a living hope. A living hope. That's why we're smiling today, church. Not because everything's going well, but because Jesus is a living hope. He is a guarantee not just for today, but for tomorrow and forever. He is the hope of everlasting life with God. That's why there should always be dancing in this sanctuary. How foolish we are to have our arms folded and our mouths shut when there should be dancing and rejoicing because there is hope for you today. And not only for you, but there's hope for that person you're judging right now. There is hope for that person that you've dismissed. There's hope for that person that you kicked out of your gate. There is hope for them today. There is hope today. Jesus Christ yesterday, today, forever the same. He was, He is, He is to come. Glory and worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Hope! 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 Hope to everyone and anyone who believes in Him. we got to get free of all that other stuff. Just get free today. doesn't matter what country you're living in doesn't matter what language you speak. I love that when we're having these services, we have people from Ghana watching. We have Sabina and Dr. Charles. I love that we have people from Kenya watching. I love that people from all over the world are watching. He's not an American God. He's a God of the world. And so it doesn't matter what language you're speaking. It doesn't matter the race or ethnicity, your economic status. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter your parents, your IQ, your employment, your age. Regardless of all that, if you are breathing today as a created human being that is walking on this earth, you can now leave through those doors and leave this internet session together. You can leave this with the living hope that is found in Jesus. All because it was good news of great joy 
for all the people. Somebody praise the Lord this morning, church. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's why I love going through the Bible. I, I just love walking through Luke with you. It's oozing with hope. Oozing with hope. I don't know about you. As I walk through some of the difficulties, some of the challenges of life, I think about my father-in-law who's now been in the hospital for 10 days with COVID where I had to, in an emergency time yesterday afternoon, get my wife out of her work and fly her on a plane so she can see her father in case she passes that she could see him face to face and tell her, tell him that she loves him. I don't know about you. Those are kind of hard things that we could all use a little hope in the season that you're facing as you're thinking about the things you're walking through. You might need a little hope this morning. And that's what Jesus has offered me. That's what the Gospel of Luke has offered me. In fact, I just did, I did it real quick, but I just kind of flipped through the pages of Luke, some of the things we've already covered. And I tell you, I, I, it maybe took me 10 minutes to do this. By the time I was done, I was again overflowing with the hope that is found in Jesus. Just through these few chapters that we've covered, you're going to see that there's a hope for those that are getting baptized by John the Baptist. There's no hope for those that are sitting in those synagogues listening to Jesus preach and teach. There's a hope for that man. Remember the man who was possessed by an impure spirit. There was hope for him. There was hope for Peter's sick mother-in-law. There was hope. He brought hope to people with leprosy. He brought hope to people that were paralyzed. He brought hope even to Roman centurions. Remember that one? It was not only hope for the centurion, but also hope for his servant. He brought hope for the widow. He brought hope for her dead Son, praise the Lord. He brought hope for Jairus, the synagogue leader. Hope for Jairus' 12-year-old daughter who again was dying. Hope for the woman. Do you remember the woman suffering with the issue of blood for 12 years? He brought her hope. He brought. There was a whole gathering of people that were hungry. You could hear the audible groans of their stomachs. 5,000, probably more like seven, 8,000 people. He brought hope to them. He is hope. He is hope. He is hope. And I, was just, I just want to encourage you as I was reading that story of Jesus. As I was flipping through those pages, the thing that just blows me away and the thing that gets you to dance, the thing that gets you to clap, the thing that gets you to sing a little song, it's more than a meal, right? I'm thankful for the meal that Jesus brings. It's more than a healing. I'm thankful for the healing that Jesus brings. But it was the hope of life. I was dead. But He brought me life. Rise, son. Rise, daughter. I breathe on you life, 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 everlasting life with Jesus. Jesus brought hope. Jesus was hope. You see this so beautifully on display. One of the last passages I read this week was when he came to that woman at the well. Don't you just love the story of the woman at the well? I don't have time to read the whole story, but listen to what he says to her. These words are just pregnant with life. He says, everyone who drinks of this water, he's talking about the water at the well. He says, guess what? You're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I'm going to give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of just the fresh, clean vitality of this church. The water I give you, it will be a I mean, just rushing. I mean, this isn't a trickle. This is the rushing living waters of God. It will be a 
spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus brought hope of eternal life for everybody and anybody who would believe in Him. I want to encourage you today, church, in a year when people are losing hope, in a season when the things that people have put their hope in, they've crumbled, they've disappeared, which, by the way, isn't always a bad thing because some people have really kind of been going after the wrong things and putting their eggs in the wrong basket. But in a season where hope has been draining out of the hope tank. You know what I'm talking about. I just want to remind you of the hope that you have in Jesus. Jesus still brings hope. Jesus is hope. He is hope. The Apostle Paul, he has this passionate prayer. I, I want to read it for you. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. This letter probably made it out around to a couple of the churches in the area. But listen to this. I, I think Paul would pray the same thing for us today. Listen to this prayer. Again, if you're online or in this place, just have your ears open to, to see what he wants to say. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He's praying for the eyes of your heart to be open. How's your heart today? The eyes of your heart. Meaning, by the way, that you would feel it in your gut. Like that you would feel it in your core, like in your bones, like just that woman on the, at, at the well, just like as she was ready to tell the whole town, tell everybody about what Jesus had done, that you would know in your heart, that your eyes of your heart, the, the gut, just the core of who you are would be so convinced, so powerfully transformed and changed by Jesus that you would tell the world of the hope that you have in Jesus. Because see, Jesus, He came on the scene. And God's people, before He even got there, do you remember in that video again, did such a good job. The people of God were already filled with hope. They had the hope of what? Of a Messiah. Right? They, they expected a Messiah. They waited in expectation for His arrival. You see some of these characters in the Bible who are waiting for this coming Messiah. You think of Zechariah. You think of Anna, you think of Simeon, you think of Elizabeth, countless others for generations, all with this hope that He, Christ, the Messiah, would come. And praise the Lord, He came. That's where, where did He come? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, right? That's where He was born. Messiah has come. But think about it. Now, after Jesus' arrival, His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension into heaven, guess what? God's people still have hope. What's their hope now? What is our hope now? It's the hope. It's the expectation. It's the anticipation. It is the waiting. It is the right here, man. Oh, I cannot wait. Oh, I cannot wait. For what? What is the hope? That He's coming again. He's coming again. This hope has motivated followers of Jesus for two thousand years we have the hope of our own praise the lord bodily resurrection you are not keeping me down in that grave but also the hope of messiah's return it motivated a lot of those early disciples you think about paul it motivated paul he was willing i mean think about the things paul was willing to to face to endure he was willing to be beaten uh, beaten he was willing to be whipped he was even willing to be left for dead, but then get back up and go back into the same city that just tried to kill him. Why would you ever be so foolish 
because he had hope. It's a hope that motivated the first disciples. We know as we read the Bible, most of those disciples, guess what? They did not live long, luxurious, comfortable lives. They were killed at the hands of their enemies. Killed. It's so weird when you read it in a book. You can even glamorize it. You can kind of cartoonize it. You know what I'm talking about? Make it a little more palpable. You can digest it a little bit easier. But these men and women stripped from their families, killed at the hands of their enemies. Yet, they took away their temporal lives on earth, but they could not take away their eternal life with God the same pattern you see of Christians dying for their faith played out through much of the early church history. And yet they had a hope. A real hope. What about you? What about you? Again, there's a lot of things that are tough about this season, but one of the things I love is that just the church is being shaken and and we're seeing what remains. I love that. You're, You're having to figure out what do I actually believe? When everything, all the rituals and all the routines and all the things of tradition are being stripped away and I'm kind of filled with worry or fear, whatever the thing is that you're filled with, you you have to come back to say, what do I actually believe? What about you? With everything going on in your life, very real things, serious things. Some of you, you lost your job. You lost your income. You lost your business. Some of you, it's health issues. Others, it's political issues, societal issues, really heavy stuff, heavy stuff. As it weighs on you, how are you holding up? As it just gets thrown upon you, how are you holding up? How's your hope tank doing? Is it empty? Is it full? I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened wide. That's my prayer for you. That your gut, the core of who you are, it would just be opened wide to experience, to feel, to, to truly just soak it up, to take it in the true hope that only Jesus can bring. That your, that your heart, even now as I'm speaking, your heart would be flooded with hope. Flooded with hope. That it, there would be a nourishment today for the journey that you're on. Just flooded with hope. I, I love how Paul says it in Romans 15. He says, this is so good. He says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So that what? You may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Could there be a better verse? I mean, may the God of hope, that He would fill you so much that you would overflow with hope. May the God of hope, write it down, may the God of hope fill you with what? With joy. With peace. How do you get there? How do you get the joy and the peace? As you what? Trust Him. Do you trust Him today, church? One of my favorite things about my wife is I was taking her to the airport. She says, I trust God. She trusts the Lord. So she has the joy of the Lord and the peace of God, which passes understanding. Why? Not because it's some magic trick, but she trusts in Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Why? So that you might overflow with hope. And how can this all happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. 
So good. But again, I'd ask you the same question. How is your hope tank doing today? I get it. I've got the news app too. Right? Anybody else? The news, it's tough. Not that good. COVID numbers, they're up. Alcohol consumption, up. Drug use, up. Domestic abuse, up. Families, kids, marriages, all struggling. It seems like every day you're going to hear the story of crazy things, of evil people doing violent, awful things to each other. So much out there trying to chip away at your hope. So much out there trying to steal away your hope. But remember who you are and whose you are. You got Jesus. Jesus. Again, I just love it. This is a tough time to fake your way to the kingdom of God, right? This is a time of real faith. Do you have Jesus or do you not have Jesus? But if you've got Jesus, it doesn't mean this is easy. It doesn't mean this is fun. But it means you can do this. It means you can do this. Romans 12, 12. Or is this just a lie? Well, I believe this is the truth. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. Let's say that together. I mean it. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Some of you are broken right now. We break with you. Some of you are rejoicing. We rejoice with you. Some of you are barely making it. We're there to encourage you. Some of you are doing incredible and having a great time. We rejoice in it. Wherever you're at, we want to be there with you. But together, wherever you are on that spectrum, wherever you are on the journey, we're going to be joyful in hope. We're going to be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. I've told this story so many times. My dad, I mean, when I was the youngest kid, as younger as I remember, he goes, Dan... He would call me Danny. He goes, Danny, it's easy to believe in Jesus when everything's going right. But what will you say when they put a gun to your head? That's me as a little kid. Talk about scaring a kid to Jesus. But that's who I am. Like, you can't take that away from me. I'm all in for Jesus. It's so weird, all these songs that we sing. It's challenging, isn't it? Because you sing that song, you're like, well, do I really believe in the power of Jesus? Do I really believe that he is beautiful and wonderful. Do I really believe all these things that I've been saying? Well, I just want to encourage you in Jesus. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, your mind's trying to play a trick on you. Your, your heart's probably going like up and down, up and down. But I just want to tell you right now, if you're a Christian here today, you do believe those things. You are joyful in hope. You are patient in affliction. That's who you are in Christ. You're persistent. In prayer. I wrote another Facebook page about just praying this week. Yeah, that's who you are. Romans 5 says, guess what? The hope that you have, it does not disappoint. That's who you are in Christ. And yes, you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can do No, you have a hope that does not disappoint. Romans chapter 8, 25 says it this way. We hope for what we do not yet have. And I love this little phrase though at the end. It says, but we wait for it patiently. There's just this confidence that rises up within me with that little line there. But we wait for it patiently. You ever get that boldness in Jesus where you're like, you know, whoever you are, you can come. Come on, just throw your best shot. You can attack it, try to steal it, mock it, even kill it. But nobody and no one is taking away my hope. Sometimes you've got to get a little confident in what you have in Jesus. 
Not your own strength, but the power of God within you. It's a hope that's secure. We're not doubting to and fro, tossed in the waves of the ocean. You don't see that. Nope. My hope is secure. It doesn't disappoint. And by the grace and the power of God inside of me, I'm going to be patient in hope. You are going to be patient in hope. Yes, your emotions are doing its thing. Your feelings are doing its thing. But you are a Christian. Remember who you are, whose you are. In fact, would you just declare this with me? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to uh, say this together. In fact, repeat after me. Say this. I have a hope in Jesus. That is going to outlast any scheme, plan, or lie that the enemy or anybody else throws at me. Come on, repeat after me. I have a hope in Jesus that is going to outlast any scheme, plan, or lie that the enemy or anybody else throws at me. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to invite Ryan to come back up because there's hope that is implanted and overflowing from deep within our guts. Right? That's deep from within us. And really, by the way, most of you are Christians, so all I have to do as a pastor is just kind of stir it up a little bit. I'm just reminding you of who you already are. But as you think about what's Deep within you. The, the, the deepest layer of who you are, which is a hope in Jesus. That's why you showed up today, isn't it? That's why, you came, that's why you're online. That's why you're sitting in these chairs today. You came here because you woke up. I don't know how you woke up. Happy, grumpy, mad, sad, I don't know. But when you woke up, you said, you know what? Today I'm choosing to love Jesus. Today I'm choosing to trust Jesus. And I know that in Jesus, period, Jesus, period, I have the hope of the salvation of my soul. So thanks for coming today. Thank you. I, I love you guys. I'm, I'm just so happy. I, I love Sunday mornings. I, I get so excited on Sunday morning. We keep it at an hour and a half, but I could easily do this thing for a long, long time. I just love hanging out with the church of God. Thank you for coming today. What a great way. What a joyous way to kick off the Christmas season. What a cool thing it is to allow Scripture, like the Scripture, the, the Word of God to fill us up. What, what an encouraging thing it is to allow the Holy Spirit to remind us of the hope, the true hope, a hope that does not disappoint, a hope that does not fade, a hope that is secure and remains a living hope as we head into this Christmas season. What a cool thing that is. I, I don't say cool very often, but I think that's cool. I think it's cool. And the world just does all of its things and I'm saying, no, I have a hope in Jesus. That's what you're saying today. You came here today. I'm proud of you for coming today. I'm proud of you for joining us online today. You said to the world, you said to the enemy himself, I got a hope in Jesus. Praise the Lord. So as I was praying for today's service, this is what I felt. I want to share this with you. I felt this passion rise up, which isn't that hard for that to happen, but a passion rose up. And, and this is how I want to encourage you with this, that many of us, whether we even understand it or not, we are in desperate need for the spirit of God to fall fresh on us today. That's what I felt like the Lord told me is that you do not understand how much you need me. And so I 
just began to pray within Holy Spirit fall fresh on us today. Holy Spirit, remind us today that at our core level, at our gut level, we could be reminded of our hope in Jesus. Right, that it would be more than just a bumper sticker. That hope in Jesus, or saying you have hope in Jesus, more than an Instagram or Facebook post. Right, but the, the Spirit of God, His desire, His heart for you today is He wants you to know that you have a living hope today. It's the reality of who you are this holiday season. That it's a living hope. That the God of hope would fill you right now, in this moment, Right now at 1043, He would fill you up with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that what? You will overflow with hope. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. The desire is in your heart right now. You're just saying, you're begging the Lord. Lord, Spirit, fall on me that I would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so my heart as a shepherd is that no one would leave here, no one would leave online without that hope of resurrection and eternal life. And so we want to create a space for all of us. Wherever you are on the journey, wherever you are on the spectrum, however your week is gone, we just want to create some space so the Holy Spirit can get to work. Right? We just want to make room for the Lord. So we're going to worship the Lord just a little bit longer. And, and as we do, uh, prayer team, if you could come up over here, we're, we're going to have a couple people available for prayer. And we do this weird thing with prayer where we only feel like we can get prayer to prayed for if we're dying or something like that you know absolutely be prayed for when you're dying but also be prayed for when you're living right wouldn't it be the best thing if you're having the best day ever and you're saying hey prayer team i'm having the best day ever but i want to have a powerful day not just the best day but a powerful day would you just ask that the holy spirit would fill me up with his power to do all that he's called me to do so prayer is available for anyone and everyone also we're going to make communion available I love they even got creative here. They spelled out the word hope with the communion cups. How good is that? I love that. If you're online, we have an online host right now who is ready to pray for you. Send in and put it in the chat. Say what you're asking for prayer and we're going to pray for you right in that moment. We believe in the power of prayer. Just yesterday, uh, Ryan, Ryan, you're right here. I was just looking for him. Uh, it was yesterday I woke up. No, it was two days ago. Two days ago I woke up. And Ryan said, how are you doing? I said, Ryan, I woke up discouraged today. And he texted me and said, I'll be praying for you. That night, I was like, what happened? Because I was having the best day of my life. So I texted him. I said, Ryan, did you pray for me? He said, yeah, pastor, I did. I said, well, it worked. Prayer works, church. Allow the Lord to speak to you through prayer. Let's use this time to be filled to overflowing with the hope that we have in Jesus. So would you stand with us? We're going to sing this song together, just believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, that Jesus is the hope, the reason for the season. Let's sing together.